Princess Rise for their Majesties of Royally Obsessed, the podcast for all things royals. Stand by! Three cheers for Her Majesty the Queen! Welcome back to Royally Obsessed. I'm Roberta. And I'm Rachel. And it's time for your weekly update on the royal news you need to know. Just a quick couple reminders before we dive in. Follow us on Instagram at Royally Obsessed Podcast and join our Facebook group, Royally Obsessed. You can also subscribe to the podcast and send us an email at info at gallerypodcasts.com. Rachel, how's it going? It's good. It's a very special episode for our Roros, but also a treat for Roberta and I. We are taking a week off. And so we are joined today by Noah Rothbaum, who is a very special guest. We're thrilled to have you here. Thank you for joining. My pleasure. Thank you for having me on. So Noah is actually Daily Beast's half-full editor, one of the world's leading cocktail experts, and co-host of Life Behind Bars, a podcast all about spirits and drinking. For example, does it really matter what glass your cocktail is in? Does it? Tell us. <laughs> well, it's <laughs> it a does. Quite, Loaded it, question. Well, I mean... <laughs> The short answer is no, but um, some of our um, friends, colleagues are, are quite opinionated on, on the subject. And obviously some cocktails you know, are designed to go into certain classes, but that, that has been like a debate for, for decades and uh, one that some people are quite uh, militant about. And uh, you know, for Dave Wangerstein, who, who hosts Life Behind Bars, you know, we're really about kind of drinking what you like, and, and that includes in whatever glass <laughs> makes you the most happy, uh, whatever that is. Yes. But, uh, yeah. Yeah. Well, and for that full episode, you can check it out. I want to do one more accolade here. He's also associate editor of the new book, The Oxford Companion to Spirits and Cocktails, that's due out this fall. So we're going to be talking with Noah all about UK pub culture and the Royals' favorite drinks and so much more coming up. But first, we always leave time for a Royal Refreshment. And now it's time for the Weekly Royal Cocktail. Noah, did you bring a cocktail to sip on today? Well, I mean, there there are several cocktails that are related to the Royals, right? And, <laughs> yeah. and, and it is also, you know, July 4th weekend is obviously the, the height of Wimbledon, right? And the most yeah, of, that's right. so true. Know, um, you know, obviously, you know, the, the Pimm's Cup is a huge summer beverage in the UK, which is almost completely unknown in the US um which is this, you know one of those weird things where yeah. it could be so universal and they sell you know tens of thousands of them there i mean it's kind of like at the US open here we have a honey deuce which is like a vodka based cocktail that literally right. with, like with with uh, melon balls in it um, yeah. look kind yeah. of like you know tennis balls but you know that sells like tens of thousands you know uh, here uh, in in queens but you know, Wimbledon, the Pims Cup is huge, obviously, and that's, you know, Pims number one, which is, you know, this kind of very historic British drink, um, which uh, you certainly can get it here. Um, yeah. And it's, but it's not, you know, it's kind of an acquired taste. Yeah. A lot of British bartenders that I know, you know, over the years will often make either drinks with tea, which I think is a really cool idea and actually mm. have a very historic um, bent to them because punch sometimes would be made with black tea or other types of tea. And you certainly can add tea, although the combination of caffeine and alcohol. Yeah, <laughs> is it's not always late. the best. It's a little yeah, dangerous. Or, you have to, or it can be very powerful. <laughs> yeah. So like it's, mm. it's actually a great brunch drink. It, yeah. Probably not what you want to drink at the end of the night. That's what we should mix in more often, Roberta, for the Royal <laughs> Refreshment know. is like a caffeine because we're always doing the Royal Refreshment 
And then we have a little bit of a work day and it's espresso a little challenging. Martini well, I was going to say right the espresso martini is, it, it never really caught on the U.S., but yeah. it's a huge drink in the U.K. Um, but a lot of bartenders, you know, whenever, who are British, who, you know, you ask them about, um, you know, making cocktails and stuff or for competitions, they'll often do um, kind of like a brunch drink, but they use mm. jam in it, mm. um, which again, I think seems so proto-British to me to- yeah. Yeah. Buy, you know, go to Harrods and buy, you know, uh, jam or, you know, uh, marmalade or marmalade, as they would call it. Marmalade. And, you know, right. And it's, you know, it adds like a very sophisticated touch to a cocktail. Yeah. And obviously a lot of sweetness. and um, Absolutely. So like you could, you know, mix gin, which is, again, such a British drink. So, yeah. Oh, yeah. for sure. And yeah. it's, you know, gin and a little bit of jam or preserves and a squeeze of lemon juice. And that is definitely, that is a great cocktail, especially if you serve it in a teacup. Um, which oh, is a nice that's thing. a good idea. Um, that is, oh, I we're like getting, that. We're getting so many good ideas for our royal refreshment segment. Yeah. Top it off with I know, this is just, yeah. let's all write these down. Yeah, Wait, so, so what are you sipping? Speaking, so did, what did you choose for today? You know, I thought that would be, you know, kind of a uh, a perfect kind of cocktail for, for today, which would be kind of like a, breakfast martini if you yeah. will or brunch martini seems very like sophisticated that. and especially served in you know fancy bone china or something i that love seems, that uh, roberta what idea. did you choose for today I'm actually just doing uh, sparkling water today. We've had Ooh. a couple past episodes recently where Rachel and I have uh, started with wine and, and it, it just kind of devolves after a little bit. <laughs> and the, the episode never ends. So um, I think that, yeah, I'll stick to my self. Those are the best episodes. <laughs> I know. But definitely for July 4th and Wimbledon, I'll be thinking about probably a Pim's cup. So it's Pim's number one. And then what else is in it? It's a lot of fruit, right? Yeah, It's usually fruit. And then like, you know, traditionally it's kind of like a lemon lime soda, like that's mixed, but some people put lemonade in, I guess is sort of the more sophisticated version, but there, there are, and then there are also different Pim's like numbers, like don't ask. And I'm not sure if anybody really knows why they're different but they are slightly different and some of them are only available in the uk and some of them are only available here yeah that oh is, so uh, interesting i didn't know that at all I, di- I didn't even realize there were different numbers and what do they mean do you know we i'm not sure anybody really i mean the formulation oh. is slightly different <laughs> oh so it's, it's like not, a, it's like version one yeah 0. i mean yeah. it's i don't but it's sort of weird i mean the other you know we sort of be remiss i think um this this is a royals episode you know if we didn't mention, obviously, the Queen's, you know, supposed favorite drink, which is, you know, the Dubonnet cocktail. So how do you Dubonnet. say, I just want to get it from you. How do we say du- it's Dubonnet? Dubonnet. So, Dubonnet. Yeah, and, and Let's it's all like practice a, it's, that. Dubonnet. Dubonnet. It's a, a historic French, um, you know, really like a like a kind of a sweet but wine-based aperitif. So, but it has quinine in it. You know, okay. a lot of these. That's right. Um, like tonic water has quinine. The mm-hmm. whole idea was. Um, to fight malaria, like, you know, that oh. some of this was, you know, to make, I mean, sort of to make the medicine taste better. It's, you know, like, oh, we'll make a cocktail out of it or we'll add sweetener and make it bubbly. And then I think the British being British were like, and we're going to make a cocktail out of it. So, um, <laughs> and like the lime was for scurvy or something. Exactly. Like it, exactly. Yeah, for, yeah. you know, that on were, the boats because the, they would be on ships for so long that they yeah. would get scurvy. But, you know, I mean, really for decades, the Royal Navy would give out um, rum every day to the sailors. Like um, wow. that ended like not as far back in the past as you might imagine. It, it, 
it continued fairly late, I think, into like the 60s or 70s where they were getting, you know, a, a tot of, of rum every day. And that was wow. sort of their right. And the Royal Navy, you know, had huge stocks of rum that they would buy and they would keep in London and stuff. And it's like this whole tradition. So, so interesting. Yeah. Like, there, I mean, our country, America knows comparatively there's so little compared to like drinking traditions and culture in, in the yeah. UK. It's kind of Oh, incredible. absolutely. I'm going to do a quick plug for my role refreshment, Roberta. And okay. Before I just wanted, did you guys know that Spindrift launched um, a brewed tea and real lemon version? So it's like a half and half Arnold Palmer. So I mixed in some oh. vodka because I am drinking today. <laughs> but I thought it was really cool because I'm such an Arnold Palmer kind of girl and I really like that Spindrift <laughs> came out with this. So not a plug. I just delicious. really like it. But let's move on. Now, this week in royal history. So Princess Elizabeth and Philip Mountbatten announced their engagement on July 9th, 1947. And we have a little clip from a news broadcast from that time. It is with the greatest pleasure that the king and queen announced the betrothal. With these opening words, the court circular issued from Buckingham Palace confirmed popular rumor concerning the engagement of Her Royal Highness Princess Elizabeth, heiress presumptive to the throne. So... Reminder, Philip actually proposed in 1946 at Balmoral in Scotland with a three-carat diamond engagement ring, and those stones were originally from his mother's tiara, Princess Alice of Battenberg's tiara. He asked for the king's permission first, which he granted, but only after asking the pair to wait until Elizabeth's 21st birthday, which was more than six months away. Of course, the media was already salivating to hear news about the status of their courtship, so much so that they had to issue a denial about their engagement in September of 1946. Finally, two months after her 21st birthday, they announced their engagement. And Noah, we want to ask you, they probably toasted with champagne. So are there any royal warrant holders that are champagne brands? It's actually funny when you look at, you know, the I think there are like, you know, something, you know, almost a thousand different royal warrant holders currently. And nine of them are for champagne houses, which is kind of oh, incredible. That's which a is, lot. <laughs> yeah, I mean, and 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 the Royal Warren obviously is is for you know businesses that are you know favorites of of you know the Queen or or Prince Charles, and and they've done business with you know the Royals for several years, and that entitles them to get a Royal Warren. So these are really like companies and, and products that they're really really like and really enjoy often. So it's kind of amazing because you look at like all of the different champagnes and it's like most of them, the warrant is from the queen, you know, like, mm. you know, Vauve Clicquot and, you know, Bollinger and Krug and... Is Moet on there? Moet is on there or okay. Moet. Um, Roberta the knows one, so much. I, just, I, was, <laughs> I don't know actually if it's Moet or Moet. I was going to ask you. Oh yeah, that's <laughs> a good question. You could, I mean, I've heard both. I mean, it's okay. one of those things where no matter what's right or wrong, no matter how you say it, the other person corrects you. So it's, <laughs> I think it's, you know. It's, <laughs> Whatever you want it to be. <laughs> Almodovar, you know, Almodovar, yeah. Jim Jarmish. I mean, it's one of those words. But um, yeah. the one that's not is the Prince of Wales, Prince Charles. His royal warrant is for Champagne, the Laurent Perrier, which mm. I think is really funny is that like, you know, clearly they have bottles and bottles and bottles of champagne. And he's like, no, I don't like those. Like, I, I want my own royal warrant wow. for bubbly. And so he gave Laurent Perrier like a royal warrant, which I think is hilarious that he doesn't like any of his mother's. Yeah. Other, yeah. What do you think stands out for him about Laurent Perrier? I don't know. I mean, it's I mean, it's a wonderful 
champagne. Yeah. But I think it's really, I mean, so are it's the like, other I ones. will and, be unique. I will be my own man. Yeah. I don't know. And then, I mean, obviously um, Paul Roger is, is, or is one as well. And, and there's a long history like with Winston Churchill and Paul Roger mm-hmm. and like they have a Churchill cuvee, which is one of my favorite champagnes of all well, time. What's that so unique about it? They turned one of their special cuvées. They named it after him after he passed away because he was such a huge fan of their mm-hmm. brand. And there's even a gold, like it's embossed with a little portrait of Churchill on it. Oh, wow. And, and they put a black stripe on the label when he died. And, and, you know, it was one of these things where like, you know, one of the stories like during World War II, somebody said to him like, you know, when is World War II going to be like done? And he's, yeah. you know, he gave like a very specific number of days and they were like, Wow, like how, how do you figure that? And he was like, Well, I have enough Paul Roger to last me that many days. So it better oh, be another. So I mean it was like his that's love pretty of iconic. The, yeah. Yeah. I mean, a lot of brands claim to have been a favorite of, of Churchill since he he definitely liked cocktails and spirits and wine. Yeah. And, and I, I'm sure he, you know, I'm sure he did enjoy many brands, but Paul Roger is one that definitely, you know was one of his real favorites, you know, regardless of, 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 you know, of marketing or, or, you know, the sort of legends and, you know, and then that one, it's, it's kind of funny too, because for a long time, people thought that the Manhattan cocktail was created for Churchill's mother, Jenny Jerome, who's obviously American, right? Yeah. Um, which a lot of people forget, but that, you know, there's, you know, for years, like, you know, bartenders and, writers and people like myself yeah. would be like, oh, let me tell you about the Manhattan cocktail. <laughs> it was created, you know, for Winston Churchill's mother for this yeah. big banquet that she was holding for the new um, governor, uh, Tilden of New York at the Manhattan Club. And I mean, I, it's one of my favorite stories. Unfortunately, it's there's like not an ounce of truth in it. Oh, because no. <laughs> like she was back in the UK giving birth when um, it was all supposed to have happened. So um, I, I still like telling it. And I yeah. love the idea that like, Churchill is this wonderful champion of, of cocktails and spirits and that. I do too. Fake, but, no, uh, I love that. I love that. I guess our first question is, are you as desperate to get over to the UK as we are? No. I mean, I feel like it's been so hard to not be able to travel, right? This last year has yes. been really brutal. It's been, well, I yeah, mean, for I mean, many reasons, but just, I think that losing the access to the UK has been like just on top of all of it. <laughs> yeah. I mean, look, I mean, all things considered. All I, things I, considered. That's a very. I, I consider yeah. myself in, incredibly lucky, Same. you know, in this, in this, during this pandemic, but I was traveling about several times a month and, um, you know, I was supposed to go up to Northern Ireland to to shoot a video up at um, in, uh, north of Belfast at Bushmills, um, mm-hmm. which is sort of the it's been making single malt for like you know since sixteen early sixteen hundreds. Wow. Um, and then I was supposed to go to like Scotland, um, you know, and Isla, you know, so the, the island which is a favorite of Prince Charles off the west coast of Scotland. So I mean, yeah, I mean it's and go to London, you know, I mean, so it's. I consider ourselves very lucky that we get to go there so often and enjoy such fun things. And it's so nice to be yeah, there. Yeah, It's been hard um, to be cut off. I feel like, and we yeah. kind of need like a map. We might have to ask you to put together a map of all these like <laughs> locations where that are royally charged, but I want to kind of get into your background a little bit because I find it so interesting that you also are sort of six degrees of separation from William and Kate. Cause you went to St. Andrews I did. for a semester. So can you tell I us did, about that? Which is kind of funny because, um, 
I don't speak any other language. Um, yeah. I, I can barely speak English. So um, <laughs> I wanted to go away for a semester in college and um, St. Andrews, there's always kids who would go there for my school. And and at the time, obviously, it's the oldest university in Scotland, but people didn't know that much about it. And and to be honest, I don't think I really even knew that much about it before <laughs> I signed on to go. And, you know, it's this beautiful, gorgeous, you know, uh, buildings and just, you know, it's been around longer than America's been around. And, you know, it's only about an hour outside of Edinburgh. And, you know, there are a lot of Americans who go there, you know, for four years. And obviously it's the home of golf. You know, the old course is right there. Yeah. It's a beautiful, beautiful um, town. There are only about three real streets. And at the time I was there, there were, I think, eight golf courses. And now it's, I think, nine golf courses. And there was something like 35 bars and pubs. Um <laughs> So it's pretty, wow. I mean, that was, that was, that was a great selling Golfing point. Golfing and for, drinking yeah. is uh, what it's oh, about. Oh yeah. yeah. Oh, for sure. <laughs> Did it come up during your time a lot? Like the connection that William and Kate had been there or not really at all? Well, they weren't there yet. That, oh, they weren't there they yet. They weren't there yet. So that's the I funny thing. So you were ahead went, of their time. You right. Were, so mm-hmm. I, I, they went because of me. Um, <laughs> so I went, no, um, that's not true. Um, I went and then, you know, I came home and then like a year later, Prince William decided to go there. And it was huge international news and all over the UK, like my friends who were still there, you know, were sending me like clippings of all these newspapers, you know, like a lot of universities in the UK or in Europe, St. Andrews has a lot of different traditions. Like people wear these like capes, you know, um, and you, these orange capes and there's like the, the ruins of the castle, like people Mm. would walk down and there's a procession and, yeah. You'd wear the cape to eat with like the head of your hall. And there are all these hall balls. Like, I mean, what did I know about any of this? And yeah. the balls, like all the, the Scottish kids would wear their kilts. And then, you know, the English kids would wear tuxedos. And they were expensive. And it was like kind of like a prom. Wow. And, uh, you know, it, it was one of these weird things where all the papers obviously delved into all of the funny and sort of um, endearingly charming um traditions of saying yeah. <laughs> like I think everybody expected them to be like you know three page spread about some of the stuff and then you know everybody in the world knew about St. Andrews. Yeah it's yeah. so iconic. And, and it's just funny because I mean according to the story like she was like Kate was in a fashion show right and, yep. and he was in the audience right and mm-hmm. and it's like of all the schools in the world, the idea to me that like there was a fashion show at St. Andrews <laughs> is like, it seems like highly improbable, but I guess maybe. I think it was I a left, charitable fashion show. Right, which right? makes more sense. It's now still around. It's like one of the biggest student run fashion shows in the world. And it's so crazy that it's in Scotland. <laughs> I mean, there's like textile. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, yeah. Nothing yeah. to, yeah. I mean, like, you know, there's the, the, the famous art school that's designed yeah. by Rennie McIntosh in Glasgow, but it's just, there wasn't like, it's not like. That a wasn't the scene. <laughs> that was not the scene. And it wasn't really known for like like a designer fashion art. There wasn't that kind of scene. Yeah. I actually lived there for a year when I was little and um, my parents took me over. They taught at the University of Sterling. And so- Which is not very far from St. Andrews. No, so. it's not. So we actually visited St. Andrews. But yeah. so from what, because I was so little, I was I was a child when I went. But from your time there, out of the bars and pubs, you remember which ones would have Kate and William gone to? Do you know? Do you have a guess? I don't know for sure, but there, I mean, there were a lot that were like, 
definitely favorites of like the students. I mean, of all the pubs, like as you can yeah. imagine, um, and some of them were definitely devoted to the golf tourists, um, you know, and, and but like there was one place that was called Augustine's, which was like the main kind of student pub. There's obviously a big pub in the student union. There was one called Ma Bell's, which was right by the golf course, mm. but the very proper students were called Yaz, like because of the way their accents. So oh, a lot of people oh. call that bar Yaw Bell's. <laughs> like the upper crust accent. Exactly. Like a, oh, yeah. I very, see. very posh. I, okay. Like, I can see them going there. So <laughs> very posh. So that would, that would be Yaw <laughs> Bell's. Where they went. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I, I think that would probably i mean that's where i see them in my mind in your mind yeah totally your heart must flutter when you see like it's their 10-year wedding anniversary and they're oh, back yeah. at st andrews in the oh, recent no, weeks and stuff yeah. it's like there's my album you know my and, and you spent yeah. a, sem- a semester but it's like you must feel proud they consider it they're at least their alumni association yeah. but it's also a very romantic place like the beach like you know chariots of fire was filmed there and the oh, beach scene and, and at night like it's there's a beautiful river kind of walk that overlooks mm, the ocean so and the, nice. the beach is really, you know, very nice. And it's, I mean, it's incredibly charming and it, it's a type of town where you, you, you see it in your head of like, what would like the oldest yeah. university in Scotland look like? And it looks exactly like yeah, that. Like it, totally. It, it totally lives up to that. I love it. It is a very festive week, as we touched on. So we wanted to talk to you all about the royals and their drinking habits. And we have so many questions. So you mentioned this earlier, but what are the liquor companies that have a royal warrant? We talked about champagne, but which are some of the liquor ones that stand out? It's very specific. Like they're, you know, I mean, again, the royal warrant just shows like they're kind of like they're what's always in the liquor cabinet, I guess, mm-hmm. right? So like- It's a really a, win- ringing endorsement for these brands. Right. So from yeah. the it's royals. a huge thing. Yeah, can you not, explain a little bit what the Royal Warren yeah, is? Yeah. So I mean, like basically for hundreds of years, the, the monarchy has given their favorite stores, brands, essentially what's called a Royal Warrant, which basically is like a symbol that they can then put on. Sometimes they put it on their window or on a marquee on their stationery, they're allowed to use it for their mark. And it carries a lot of weight to basically say, we supply, you know, the king or queen or the prince or princess with the royal family with a product. And that carries mm-hmm. obviously a tremendous amount of weight because everybody wants to say that, right? And, right. and, I, and I assume the system was set up because everybody would say that. And <laughs> it was true. So, I mean, this is like, I imagine them kind of trying to control yeah, it's how like validate, validate. Yeah, and how their name was being used, mm-hmm. you know. So like almost licensing their name, but, you know, there's no fee and they don't. Does it run through the firm or is it like can any royal, like could Princess Diana have assigned a royal warrant or could any member? My understanding is that the like the monarch decides, right? Okay. So mm-hmm. like it, most of the royal warrants are decided by the queen. And then mm-hmm. I think she allows prince charles to also give his own but like can prince like you know harry give one well well, certainly not now but like but like before like i don't like it's not just like oh you're a royal like you can give out a royal warrant Mm -hmm. i think it's very like a a lot of yeah it's it's kind of like being you know being knighted or getting Mm -hmm. you know some of the other honors that the queen bestows upon celebrities and people who've done you know made great contributions to the 
to the you know the monarchy or, yeah, or the UK. Interesting. So, it's like a literal stamp of approval from the ooh, queen. Ex- exactly, yeah. and you're and it expires, right? It has to be renewed. That's right. So it's not forever. So it's it's really like, and you've had it like they've had to like not just buy from you, but keep buying from you. Right. Wow. It's only the stuff that they really love. So, so, what, so what's in their liquor cabinet? Tell us. What's really funny is like there's one for Angostura bitters, which I think is mm. incredible. So mm-hmm. that like. Obviously, bitters are, you know, people often compare them to sort of the salt and pepper for cocktails, sort of these mm-hmm. flavoring agents. But I love that they they value them enough to say, yes, yeah. Angus. Or, and, and obviously, a lot of the companies have some sort of connection to Britain or like, you know, have made some kind of contribution. But not always. Like, you know, Martini Vermouth has a Royal Martin for Vermouth. Like, obviously, somebody's making martinis, martinis. there or other <laughs> drinks. I mean, it, you know, there's... You know, a lot of the scotches, you know, uh, Doers, you know, mm. uh, Johnny Walker, obviously, Famous Grouse, which is, you know, usually popular blended scotch in Scotland. Um, and then, you know, things also like Royal Loch Nagar, which is not well known in America, but it's literally yeah, what is a distillery. That? It's, a, it's a single malt distillery that's owned by Diageo, which is obviously a British company, but it's located just down the road from Balmoral Castle, oh, you know, okay. which is the Queen's summer home. Yeah. Which you've so like, been to, right? I did. Yeah. So I did. I How mean, did that it, come it, about? I'm taking sounds, us on another tangent. I'm sorry. Yeah, I mean, it sounds a little, <laughs> at least it's a little shorter. I mean, it sounds a little bit crazy, but like I went to like Diageo, which owns, like there are roughly about a hundred distilleries in Scotland and Diageo owns about a third of them. Right. Mm-hmm. So they own Johnny Walker. And I mean, it's, it's like the largest spirits brand in the world. And they have this, um, very um, serious whiskey school that comes with like a textbook that they used to do to train like their own executives and distillers. And occasionally they would allow journalists to go. So I got to go and it was hosted at Royal Loch Nagar. And that's literally right down the street from Balmoral Castle. So we got like a little bit of a private tour of, wow. well, obviously the queen was not there when we were there, but, um, or we've not been allowed, but, but obviously, you know, the Royal family does visit the distillery because it's so close or has paid visits and, you know, has certainly had um, gotten whiskey from there and which is very cool that it's, I mean, it's right there and it's such a beautiful part of Scotland. And, yeah. And you know, Charles actually, he wrote a book called uh, the old man of Loch Nagar. Right. So a children's book. Yeah. So it's all based on that area, which is just which beautiful. Is, I guess. Yeah, yeah. I mean, obviously like, Probably the first whiskey in his heart is um, not Royal Loch Nagar, although I wish it was because I, I do like it quite a bit. But it's Laphroaig, which is another wonderful oh. scotch, which is on island. You know, I think according to legend, he was flying and he had to make some kind of emergency landing on Isla years ago. And, you know, and he somehow found his way into Laphroaig. And um, oh, there were wow. only, probably at the time, only eight distillers. It's it's a small island off the west coast of Scotland. Uh-huh. And, you know, all of the kind of smoky, briny, peaty malts that we know and love, most of them are produced there, all the so-called maritime scotches. So, you know, I think he gave them a royal warrant, like, since 1994. So that's, again, one of... Prince of Wales Royal Warrants is for Lefroy, which is his own. And like, you know, he, you know, has his own barrel and supposedly the 15 year old was his favorite. And, you know, he's visited there at least twice, if not more. And, and I know that 
that that's supposedly like I guess he's not supposed to pick favorites, but that's supposedly like <laughs> yeah. either his favorite or one. And the fact that you know he gave them a royal warrant, I think, right? You know, right. It sort of testifies through that. Is there an origin story like that for the Queen's Gin and Dubonnet? Do you know? Like, is it like it came about after some? I don't. It's a really interesting thing. I mean, like I've heard. I don't know if this is true, but like, you know, supposedly like the queen always carries a bottle of Dubonnet with her, you know, oh, wow. I, I, again, I mean, same. Like, I mean, same. I, I, the like secret to purse, longevity, maybe, right? I, think. I, I mean, it's, I don't know. I mean, I, I don't know if that's true at all, but like, you know, but Funny. she has like her Dubonnet cocktail, which is like two parts Dubonnet to one part gin. Yeah. And, and, and the one mm-hmm. thing, it's a little weird. There's, there's a great schism um, in Dubonnets, as weird as the sound. So the the Dubonnet that's produced in in Europe in the UK is is different than the Dubonnet that's produced in America. Like yeah. ours is produced here um, by Heaven Hill owns the rights, but like they're the one that's available in the UK and in Europe is produced by um, Pernod Ricard. So the, the formulas are slightly different. The one in America now tastes more like the one in the UK. They both obviously contain quinine. Um, Does Pernod Ricard hold the royal warrant for the Dubonnet? They do. I mean, it, exactly. I mean, Dubonnet yeah, okay. is, you know, so it's, yeah, it's not. Sure um, they, yeah. But it is it is a funny thing. I mean, definitely like in the, you know, it's one of these things, again, like in the 60s and 70s in America, like Dubonnet and Cinzano and Martini and Rossi, like all of these um, sort of like aperitifs were very popular. And and then they kind of disappeared really in America for a while. Mm -hmm. But like in other parts of the world, they're obviously like are enduringly popular. So it makes a lot of sense that like the queen would be a fan of it, but like it, it is sort of bizarre. I mean, it's not like a traditional like you know pim's cup or yeah it's not something that most americans i think have even tried before like i actually had a hard time finding it at my local liquor store it was just it's it's very uh it's very unique to her i would think yeah another one i had a really hard time finding here and this might be because of the pandemic but it was prince philip's supposed favorite beer is boddington's we drank that in his honor a few episodes ago but it was impossible to find here why is boddington so so iconic in the uk i mean that's a good question i mean it's that's uh, especially like or why was he so do you have any intel about that there's so many beer brands too like you know in in america now because of our craft but like in the uk it's like even more intense so the fact that like he chose that one from among all the different beer brands Mm -hmm. that could possibly like I, you know, I don't know why he, that was what he picked, but that was what he picked. And it's, it's kind of amazing that they were able to hold such sway, you know, with him because that, it's not your favorite UK beer. It's not, I mean, what it's <laughs> not, I, to be honest, it's like the beer world and the, and the cocktails and spirits as stupid as this sounds is like its so own, <laughs> its own world. And it's yeah. like, even, you know, the beer world, the UK beer world versus the US beer world is right. it's so, so different massive. and it's so intensely like overwhelming, like at least mm-hmm. for me to understand. Yeah. So it's kind of a funny, you know, and they have all types of their own traditions there where like, you know, a lot of beers are served at room temperature, for instance, like a lot of our beer culture in America really comes from, um, as does the Royals, like from our Germanic roots, like in America. Mm, right. So like a lot of American beer drinking culture, you know, comes, you know, with German immigrants, you know, over the last several centuries to America. So that's why we like, like lagers and other things, which 
again, is not something that traditionally you would find like mm-hmm. in the UK. So it's, it's almost two different branches of the beer family tree, you know, and, um, mm. but it's, a, it is, it is weird. So, I mean, it is more traditional and, and very different than what we would think of as beer. I mean, we're yeah. America is traditionally much more of like a Pilsner or a lager mm-hmm, yeah. and that's, that's, I mean, I guess at some point the Mountbatten's would have also been drinking Pilsner. Right, um, right. It wasn't always cast strength or, you know, room temperature, you know, cask aged yeah. Um, yeah. Um, beer. But you about a, a one more other royal cocktail which is kate middleton supposedly loves a drink called the crack baby i think it was from this? her college days too specifically yeah. Yeah, well, so I, to be honest, I, I definitely did have to look look into that <laughs> one since that's not um not one that you usually find in like it's not like a Harry Craddock from the Savoy cocktail book of 19. That's what I was curious about is I wasn't sure if it was like the cosmopolitan over it, here. Essentially, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's, it, it's sort of like, I mean, there are a lot of reports of her going with, I'm not sure if they were married at the time, but kind of the, like London was known for all these kind of bar clubs kind of. And that's like a whole like other thing that we don't really have in America where this mm-hmm. idea of like, a lot of the um, bars are actually private drinking clubs you have to be a member of. And then there were like things like, you know, sort of big, almost nightclub bars. And mm-hmm. that definitely grew out of that, like where it's one of these like Hakkasan and others, some of them opened up locations in New York or in the U S and I mean, almost more like LA drinking culture, right. Where it's more of like a club bar mm-hmm. than like cocktail bar. So, I mean, it's not yeah. the type of drink that you would get it. London's most famous cocktail was really yeah. thrown out for ordering that. But like it's it, you know, it's like it's a club drink. I mean, it's like a high-end, very posh club drink of like, you know, with champagne and other ingredients. Yeah, yeah what was it? It's uh I guess it originated at the bougies bar. Am I saying yeah, that? Right? I think that is in Kensington like, and it's exactly a, it's a blend of vodka, passion fruit puree, syrup, chambord, and champagne. Oh yeah, I mean, it, but, but it's pretty intense. Yeah, it doesn't is, sound that good Although it, it, it's not that different than some, you know, there there are, you know, Chambord is obviously like, and, and Champagne is an old combination. So that's not like a Cure Royale is sort of very similar. So, and then you have the Bellini, which yeah. is like, you know, from, uh, you know, White Peach Puree and, and Prosecco from Harry's Bar in, in you know, in Venice and, um, or Chip, you know, Chip yeah. obviously serves it. I, you know, it's not that different than, yeah. than sort of these, so if you do like almost like a combination of the two. Okay. So, uh, but the vodka definitely amps it up, but it, yeah. it definitely, it definitely feels like something like the Tau or Lava would say yeah. New York or, <laughs> I like or Vegas. Like, I love yeah, thinking I mean, of you, Kate from those days. Right. right. I mean, I that, like that, like our Vegas cocktail club culture is probably more similar, similar to, to like London. London's mm-hmm. like those yeah. kind of big exclusive club cocktail yeah. bars. Not so it. much like the... Not, you know, it's not like Ian Fleming's beloved, you know, uh, martini bar at the Duke's Hotel, you know, near Seville, you know. Yeah. Well, that's what I, I wanted to ask you. Like, what makes a pub quintessentially British? Like, what is the British identity? It's of a, a great pub? question. I mean, it's funny because like in America, like so again, like so much of our 
pub culture is Irish, right? And so much of our bar culture yeah. is Irish, right? And that right. really, you know, the Irish bar in many ways gives birth to the bar in America, right? And we, yeah. mm -hmm. you know, and, and so much of the DNA of the Irish pub is sort of saying, you know, you look at the TV show Cheers, right? I mean, that's mm -hmm. that's mm -hmm. the Irish pub, right? And, and Americans, yeah. I mean, you know, such differences as like, you know, between pub cultures sometimes sort of gets lost but there's definitely differences i'd say and mm -hmm. and and also just the idea of like people don't really understand like the pub in the u.s like you know it, it, the pub depending upon the size of the town and, and how many bars is i mean it's sort of like the community center it's yeah you know, it's, that's what i always really like yeah is, i mean you could go there People sit there for hours, right? I mean, mm -hmm. it's right. the whole town passes. You have family through, dinners, like, like I think that that's yeah, what's really sure. cool. There's, yeah, yeah. Kids are dinner, in there. There's yeah. karaoke. There's after work. You know, it's sometimes they serve lunch. I mean, it sort of depends upon the pub. I mean, there's, you know, sort of like a pub for every person. And then there were even like, I remember when I went to St. Andrews, there was I was sort of wow, like oh these all these amazing old pubs. And one of the kids was like, dummy, like these are chain pubs. Like these, oh. like there's like there are like you know, like there are hundreds of these like like oh, around here wow. like and I was like we've probably all done that <laughs> yeah oh, totally because they look feels you know, like, like an institution yeah. and you're like oh this has like, been here cool. forever or whatever. Yeah. yeah like nope it's like the TJF Fridays of like yeah. you know, the UK and but he you know but again like in to be fair like in America brands aren't allowed to own the bars that they're served at since mm. prohibition. That's an effect of, and obviously there was no prohibition in the UK, so the brand still can own all the bars. So that's yeah. part of it is that they're often connected to one or two brands, which is which is also a big difference. Yeah, totally. If if we if and when we can go back to the UK, do you have you know, or is there an ancient British establishment we should definitely check out? Well, I mean, there there are so many. I mean, there's just, I mean, it's sort of like picking children, right? I mean, yeah, there's so many. <laughs> I'm like, what, like, which one will I, you know, not get me in trouble or uh, saying, I, I don't, I know. Right. It's a funny thing. It's like from the, from the high end, right. Like London has always been such a wonderful city for drinks, you know, mm -hmm. and it's from cocktails and, and spirits. And I think, you know, going to the Duke's hotel, which is really a wonderful place. I mean, it's such a gorgeous little jewel of a hotel. And that is where Ian Fleming wrote about, you know, learn sort of about James Bond's martini. So um, cool. and, and that's where, you know, the shake and not stirred. And that's... I didn't know that. That's oh, cool. Oh, yeah. That's a really cool one. And that's right off of, you know, Saville Row, um, right where in there, you know, still all the bespoke tailors. And then, you know, obviously the Savoy Hotel, the American bar there mm -hmm. is like, I mean, a, a cocktails and drinks landmark um, for the world you know ada yeah. coleman ran it who created famously the hanky panky cocktail was one of oh, her wow. big creations <laughs> and then um harry craddock came in and, and wrote the savoy cocktail book um which came out in 1930 which is again it's a very famous place and then you know you've all these other new bars that have opened especially in, over the last 20 years and then you know there's all these amazing pubs and bars and pub bars that kind of cut sort of in between so like you know there's one uh in a, a hotel called uh, it's right near uh, the british museum it's called like scarfs which is like this old like kind of pub bar which is mm. all these old illustrations on the wall and stuff and deep chairs and you feel kind of like 
you know, Churchill's going to walk in through the door. That's so yeah. cool. So but I it, want but again, that I mean, energy there's vibe. There's so yeah. many, I mean, there's so many wonderful. Like I said, we're going to have you give us a map and yeah, we're just going to, as soon as we yeah. can get on a plane, we're going to go to all of them. I was yeah, going to say, Rachel, a, we need to like start our list. We're plotting all the this massive UK trip. So this is helping, oh, yeah. helping us, you know, great. with our itinerary. There are all types of, you know, new, you know, we did lose several bars and yeah. we probably will lose more, but like, the outpost of milk and honey closed and mm-hmm. a lot of like Jonathan Downey bars, like the match bars closed, you know, mm-hmm. in the last year. And I mean, hopefully, you know, fingers crossed, you know, most of, most of the beloved cocktail bars and pubs will, we'll, we'll, we'll be able we'll to make survive. it. Yeah. yeah that's, that's sort of, that's, that's often, uh, you know, kind of brings it home. Like, yeah. you know, obviously for me where, you know, you know, the people behind the bar and, you know, so many hours and the connection. That, I know. You know so, I know. It's so true. That's such a massive part of all of this, you know, drinking. Yeah, it's like but, it's better with the friends that you meet behind. Oh, yeah. Well, that's, that's, I think that's part of it is that the British drinking culture is so different than our culture in that, like, it really is about the community. Yeah. So we can't have you on without recommending a special drink for us. So what is a festive cocktail that Rachel and I could mix up in honor of the new royal baby, Lilibet Diana? Do you have a recommendation for us? I think it has to be something sparkling, right? Because that's obviously, and and given, um, you know, the, the royal family's love of, of, of all things sparkling, I think you, Mm -hmm. you have to use something. And, and, and the secret is, is that like, a lot of drinks taste really good topped with with bubbly. That no, I mean they're they're dangerously good because um, you, you can drink them and, and and then you realize, oh my god, like I drank all this. Um, drink a little too much it. and a little too fast. Right. That's always my problem. <laughs> um, <laughs> a little bubbly in your head. But, but, <laughs> but the good news is, is that like all types of things, I think um, you know, I love topping things like daiquiris off with bubbly so mm-hmm. you know any of the sours so mm-hmm. basically two parts you know um you could do a gin which is sort of like a frank 75 right two parts gin rum tequila right um one part like some kind of sour so fresh lemon juice or fresh lime juice and then one part sweet so usually um you know i like to use a lot of agave syrup you know so oh, yeah. it's a little bit richer so but you could also use simple syrup which is sugar with water or mm-hmm. um uh, you know what we were talking about before jams or preserves so so basically yeah. two parts alcohol one part sour one part sweet and then top that all off with um bubbly um which makes a very festive cocktail and and one that can serve uh Many people, I think, sort of. Toast uh, to the royal baby. Yeah, I like it because like, this feels less intimidating. I'm not the best at mixing up cocktails. I feel like Roberta's really made that a pandemic skill. She's she's been no. making it a very regular night, learning new cocktail recipes. But you, what you just said, like, kind of, it feels like adding a little something bubbly. Yeah, that, that, yeah. and I think that's that's sort of the secret to cocktails is that like that you know, formula too. Yeah, just, like it's yeah. it's more like baking in some ways, where it's yeah. like you know you have books that are like five thousand cocktails, and you're like. Really aren't five thousand cocktails. There might be five thousand versions or variations, yeah, but it's right. really not that many drinks. And a lot of them fall into different families or categories. Mm-hmm. So the sour is one that's like a favorite because basically the daiquiri, the margarita, the French seventy-five, the Daisy—they're mm-hmm. all mm-hmm. basically the same drink. I mean, you whatever alcohol you have, you can use whiskey. You can use, and you just sort of 
Some work better with lemon, some work better with lime. Some people like lemon and lime, depending on it. But it's, you know, you could obviously vodka works with everything. But yeah. you know, wh- whatever you have, vodka, gin, whiskey, gin, that that all that whole sour formula is the same. It's just interesting. What about if I want to add? So I told Rachel this, but Lilith Blanc because it sounds like the baby's name Lilibet. Absolutely what, not. How would I? No, absolutely um, not. No, I'm kidding. Oh, I'm kidding. What is yeah. Lilith, and how can I make a drink about it? Technically, that one is if you want to say it's Lillet, but like it's oh, another. Lillet. Okay. It's 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 very much like Dubonnet and the Vesper, which is actually um, James Bond's first drink that's mentioned in in the series is the Vesper. So, um, which was called Kina Lillet at the time, and that half gin, half vodka with Lillet. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, you could use it sort of in the place of um, dry vermouth in a martini. So um, depending upon how dry you like it, but um, I like the idea of drinking that in her honor. You could also, <laughs> but people love Lillet also on the rocks. Like that's very much like the oh, wow. queen where, and there were two, there's, you know, the white Lillet and, and, a, and a red Lillet, but that again is, is very much like Dubonnet and that it's like an aperitif that you could have, right? you know, before dinner in the afternoon with in the garden, you know, as you're having. This sounds your, dreamy. I love this. I know. I'm so thirsty now. Put on your fascinator, your fancy hat, <laughs> yes, right? Absolutely. And, yeah. and, absolutely. In the royal teacup. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. And, and you could have, you nice. could have Lillet on the rocks and there are beautiful like ads from the twenties and thirties for Lillet, you know. And, That's exactly what I think of. And, I, I oh, love yeah, that. Oh yeah, for sure. Yeah. But that would be, you know, I, I'm, I'm a little surprised that that there has not been an official cocktail sent out yet, but I imagine (laughs) the royal family is working on that. We'll send it out. (laughs) Noah, we're throwing you one last curveball, but because we ask every single guest that comes on this podcast, if you could identify with any royal, dead or alive, who would it be and why? Wow. That that is a tough one. And very telling, I guess, too. I I mean, I, I think technically... I mean, technically not a royal. Yeah. Can be like, royal oh, adjacent. That's fine. Royal adjacent. I would say, you know, if there was one that I would really want to spend time with, it would be, it would have to be Winston Churchill. Yeah. I mean, like, I mean, how, I mean, that would be amazing. I mean, at one point, like I, you know, I remember doing research about him and he was doing some kind of talk for uh, this, like the conservative party in, in 54. And there was a whole AP story about it. He took like a drink of water. Mm-hmm. And people were astounded that he was drinking water. And he said, he said, I only do it to show you that I can, right? Because like the idea was that he was always drinking other things besides water. And I just think like, how amazing would it be to like sit there drinking Paul Roger with oh, Winston Churchill yeah. and like eyeballs and, yeah. right. And, you know, hearing all of his amazing oh gosh, stories. Yeah. And he even like helped America like drink before, like during prohibition because he was, like um, stationed in Jamaica and he kind of refused to um, crack down on all the boats going to America, like, you know, smuggling in booze. And America was very angry at the, at the UK being like, you got to like enforce our prohibition and there, and Churchill was like, Nope. I'm not going to do it. Like, that's your <laughs> problem. I, that? yeah. nope. so, I support uh, this choice of yours, but I'm yes. definitely also in the mood for the 4th of July. This has been such yes. a treat to have you on. Really I feel like has. we could keep talking. I'm so yeah. glad we decoded the crack baby most of all. Yes. <laughs> yes. Thank you. It's been so, so great Noah. to have you here. It's my you. pleasure. Yeah. Just a reminder before we close, leave us a royal rating. Remember to subscribe to the podcast. Follow us on Instagram at Royally Obsessed Podcast. And Noah, are you on Instagram? Where can people yeah, find where can I we am. keep up with you? I, I, you can follow me on Twitter, which is uh, the best place is N Rothbaum on Twitter. So Great. I will be there answering any of your drinks needs. So 
Yeah. And we're looking out for that Oxford Companion this fall and also can follow your writing uh, on Half Full, The Daily Beast, and then the podcast. Yeah, subscribe. Life Behind Bars. Awesome. All right. Well, you can also send us an email at info at gallerypodcast.com. Until next week, God God save the the pod. (laughs) Her Majesties of Royally Obsessed have retired for this episode. God save the pod. And if you fancy the podcast, give Royally Obsessed the royal rating of five stars on Apple Podcasts. Follow us on Instagram at Royally Obsessed Podcast and join our Facebook group, Royally Obsessed. Royally Obsessed is a gallery podcast production.